Well, welcome. This is WNZN Radio coming to you from Lorain, Ohio. Uh, very happy you tuned in once more for another show. I'm here with my good friend and assistant, David Aboon. Hey, John. Great to be here with you today, And as um, always. Yeah, and you know, um, we're very happy, everybody that tunes in, of course, every week. And if you ever have any <clears throat> issues or static or not getting a real clear uh, sound on the, on, the, on the show, just... Uh, what you could do is go to the re- your iPad or your computer and just live stream it. And what I mean by that is just uh, just uh, put in www.wnzn.org. That's wnzn.org, and you can live stream it, no problem at all. I know some people do that. And a lot of it depends on weather and everything else and how strong the single is at any given time. But it seems like the last several weeks, David, we've had a lot of guests on, like yes. really interesting, literally from around the world. Oh, yeah. From Thailand to South Africa, and then now Gerard, who's British, but now living <clears throat> in Cleveland to head up this national prayer endeavor. So I thought we would do a couple shows getting back to the Bible, and at the very basic level, well, how do we know the New Testament is true? You know, yeah. some people might say, well, I need more proof. Uh, I want to believe, but I just, you know, they have these different arguments, and uh, who wrote? Who really wrote the, the the Bible and the apostles? Are we don't know? Is that Matthew is really Matthew and Luke is really Luke and these kind of things? But what what do we have? What can we give to people to 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 really start going back into this and seeing there's more on balance that there's proof uh, rather than to disprove it? But most yeah. people don't take the time to really look into it. You know yeah. what I'm saying, David? Yeah, you know, John, uh, when you and I first met, and um, as you're continuing to mentor me, I, I think the thing that that sticks out for me is how you approach me in terms of that that the Bible was the Word of God. Mm-hmm. And I still go back to this often when I'm talking to other new believers, and you, you made it clear that there were there's 66 books in the Bible, and they were written by about 40 different authors um, over a period of what, John? Uh, 1,500 years. Yeah, 1,500 years, and it is seamless. It's remarkable how coherent the stories are from beginning to end. Um, so when you judge the New Testament you know, manuscripts, you can just see that, that this historical document is so tight. Right. You know, it's so tight. And, and the other thing I wanted to bring up is when you look at, you know, we have thousands of New Testament manuscripts you look at uh, Homer Iliad. There's 1,800 known copies of Homer's Iliad. Then you take a look at the writings of Julius Caesar. Ten copies, and the Roman historians uh, Tactus, uh, 20 copies. Pliny, seven copies. And then you look at the New Testament. We have 5,824 copies in the original Greek. When you count other languages, Latin. Syrian, uh, Coptic, and Arabic, 20,000. Right. And so the whole thing with manuscripts, what you're looking for is how close it is to the original writing, what they call the autograph. In other words, when, let's say, Plato is writing about Socrates. Okay, how close do we get to that original letter? Well, like you said, I think that's almost 800 years later. Yeah. You know, Plato was the main one that wrote about his teacher, Socrates. Well, nobody doubts that Plato wrote that about, but it's 800 years. Mm-hmm. And all of these, there's a great distance. So that's number one, how close it is to the original writing, or what they call the autograph. Right. Number two, how many copies or partial copies do you have of that manuscript? Yeah. And when you come to the New Testament, like you say, there's many scrolls with full books, like the gospel mm-hmm. or an epistle, 
and it's written. I mean, you're not going to get the original. I mean, you, you don't get yeah. that. But once you get to about <laughs> 150 A.D. or mm -hmm. 200, that's very close to when that was originally penned. And then you have copy after copy after copy that all verify the other. There's yeah. no, there's very little variance, yeah. you know, except notation yeah. at that. So those kind of things, if you're going into court of law and you're presenting evidence, that's pretty heavy duty evidence. If you say now, you might people might say, "Well, I don't believe what they're writing about." That's another issue. We can well, look, sure. really look at that. Right. But nevertheless, in terms of volume mm -hmm. of manuscripts, it could be either on a, a scroll, papyrus, or on skin. You know, vellum like lambskin. Yeah. They wrote all different ways, <clears throat> but uh, it comes back to the idea there is a lot, a lot of manuscript evidence. As a matter of fact, when I was in uh, Ireland, years ago in Dublin, there's a famous museum over there called the Chester Beatty Museum. And this was an American, actually. He collected a lot of manuscripts from the Bible, from the Quran, from Middle Ages. And it's a museum. But there I remember seeing on the wall with a light behind it in a frame was a portion of the Gospel of John. And it was, it was like 170 A.D. Now, that's really mm -hmm. close yeah. to the, what it was written. But there you have it. I mean... So, yeah, so you're looking for the two things there as we talk about manuscripts is uh, number of manuscripts we have, either whole or portions, and how close. And yeah. there's no getting around it for ancient writings. Yeah. There's nobody tops this yeah. in the numbers, you know. It's and, just, and what do you do with this, with the, uh, with the number of authors, 40 authors over, you know, 1,500 years writing a seamless story. All, all these other books are one author, right? So Yeah, well, yeah. pretty much. I mean, right. Alexander, there was two that recorded right. his history. But right. again, Socrates, yeah. anybody that took yeah. Philosophy 101, right. I mean, they know who Socrates is. He lived in, in Greece mm -hmm. at the time. But his he had two like followers or disciples that wrote about him. But people don't doubt what they wrote. Right. Why would they doubt what <laughs> the, right. the, the gospel writers right. wrote? You know, yep. I, you take it at face value. <clears throat> people might not agree with it. So what I look, we could discuss in the next 40 minutes or so, David, is the amount of evidence. What, what I'm trying to do is put this evidence on the table. Number one, to strengthen believers' faith, Christians already. Number two, people that might be listening that say, I need more proof. I need more evidence. You know, that's what really what Thomas was saying. If you look at John chapter 20, he was one of the apostles, but he wasn't with the apostles on Easter Sunday when they witnessed and spoke with the risen Jesus you know, mm -hmm. from the grave after yeah. being there three days. So he says, I don't believe unless I can touch him and touch the wounds in his hands right. and put my hand in the, in his, the side mm -hmm. where the spear mm -hmm. went. You know, and he, yeah. he, he, he wasn't saying, I, I won't believe. He says, I need more evidence and then I will believe. Yeah. Now, I think there might be a lot of people like that. They oh, say, heck yeah. It's a good place to be. You're, all you're asking for is more evidence. And maybe right. we can provide <clears throat> a little of that yeah. in this show we do this morning. But nevertheless, there are a lot of people, they don't even examine the evidence. See, that's what we call unexamined unbelief. That's a real big problem today. Yes, it is. They don't have time. Mm -hmm. There's little interest. But, I mean, you're dealing with your your eternity. I mean, if this is true, it's your whole eternity, let yeah. alone how you live life right now for the balance of your years on this planet. This is like important stuff. I mean, really, when you consider... Before, we talked on this once before, the four major questions of life is, how did this all begin? The universe, etc. Uh, does life have a purpose or, or meaning? Number 
Three, yeah. do, is there a code of conduct I should live by? And right. where, where do I get that <clears throat> code of conduct? Yeah. Number four, Destin, what's going to happen to me when I die? You, that's like super important. <laughs> and I remember talking to one person. And he says, well, when I die, I just think nothing happens. And I just go in and my body goes into the grave and that's it. And I says, well, why do you believe that? Or why do you know that? He says, I don't know. I says, I once read a book like that. I said, well, you're basing your whole afterlife that there's yeah. nothing going to happen yeah. on this book you picked up at a bookstore. <clears throat> you don't even know the yeah. author now, but he said this and you're you're going to, yeah. it's like going bungee jumping without yeah. ever checking out the bungee no cord. No kidding. Or, you yeah. know, or flying an airplane and you're right. not even sure there's two engines <laughs> on the airplane. Right. You know, my point being, we should examine this stuff to see, does this seem more true than that explanation over there? Right. What, what the Bible offers us is an explanation. It does. I just happen to believe it is the best explanation to explain these big questions of life. Yeah. And so, yeah. yeah, you open up with manuscripts, which is extremely important. Yeah. I like to use the illustration of a wheel and what spokes. Mm-hmm. And now the, all the spokes on a wheel come to the center. Yep. Where it's hooked to the axle. Well, if you think of the center as the cross, that's the center. Everything converges on the person of Jesus Christ. But the spokes are things like the prophetic, you know, all the prophecies in the Old Testament that are fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. Right. All the uh, typology or, you know, when we see the Jesus is the Passover lamb or Jesus is uh, the temple, the destroy this temple outright, that comes from the Old Testament. All these pictures and types of Jesus in the Old Testament converge on the person of Jesus. And then you see that uh, God is going to raise up, up this Messiah like an under Moses, mm-hmm. or he's going to be a king from the line of King David. Right. And all these things converge. <clears throat> then we back in, we can talk a little today about archaeology and history. So those are all independent spokes that all converge on the person of Jesus Christ to say, he... <laughs> Look at this. This there's an abundance of of, uh, of uh, different strands, right. so to speak, of evidence all coming together. Yeah. But they only come together because of the person of Jesus. He the 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 center of the wheel holds it together. The mm-hmm. whole wheel together. All the act. All these spokes do is is merge to the middle to strengthen the wheel. But once you see it, you cannot not see it. Yeah. You go like so when it says 600 years before Jesus. That when the Messiah comes, he's going to be born in Bethlehem, and he's from all eternity, Micah chapter 5, verse 2. Well, it seems like that fits, you know. Or if he's going to be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver, or he's going to be led like a lamb to the slaughter. You know, Psalm 22 says, they look at me whom they have pierced. They're gambling for my robe. Yeah. All of these things, it's just. It's a composite. It is. You know, and nobody else has that. Yeah. Um, The prophecies are an important one you raised, John. There's, what, like 353 in the Old Testament. And as you you mentioned, you know, it is, man, it it is under a microscope, the detail they give, which totally plays out. I mean, how many people could fulfill that 100%? There's only one. Yeah, exactly. And, And that's what Jesus did. And you can see half of the fulfillment of those prophecies comes with the New Testament. The other, other half, I believe, comes when he comes again, right? Isn't that how that there's, works? There's, there's prophecies yeah. about his second right. coming as right. well as there is for right. his first coming. Yeah. Here, I mean, here's what Luke says in um, chapter 1 of Acts of the Apostles. He says, he, Jesus also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs. He says many infallible proofs. 
being seen by them for 40 days and speaking the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. What's important there is he says, these are infallible proofs that mm -hmm. uh, he is bringing to the table when right. Jesus was on the earth after his resurrection for 40 days. Yeah. So because when he's risen, uh, he's meeting with individuals like Mary Magdalene or Simon Peter. Mm -hmm. He's meeting with uh, two men on the road to Emmaus. He's yeah. meeting with multiple groupings of the apostles. Yeah. He's having conversation. He's giving them a Bible lesson about what we just talked about, fulfilled prophecy. He's having meals with them. Uh, he is allowing them to touch him, that he's not a uh, you know, a spirit or something like this, an apparition. Um, on yeah. and on and on. Yeah. And so the power of eyewitness in court yes. in, a, in a loss. Yeah. Now, the, the uh, defense attorney might come back and say, did you really see that or did yeah. you really see that? But there is proof. Mm -hmm. There's The more witnesses you have that are attesting to this yeah. one truth, that's why I use the Titanic as an illustration. All 705 of those survivors, when the Titanic went down in April of uh, uh, yeah. 1912, they, they, they might have been off on details about how it exactly went down but for the rest of their life they all knew the titanic sunk right nobody could convince yeah. them otherwise right. so too nobody could convince the early followers of christianity that they did not meet the risen savior yes they would go to their death or right. imprisonment they would not break on that because they knew it. it you know i think that's one of the strongest points that i hold on to what you mentioned that's in one corinthians 15, 3 yeah, to 8, read it, yeah. well, where it says, you know, it explains Jesus' resurrection, that there were over 500 eyewitnesses. They weren't expecting him to rise no. from the dead. No. I mean, so it's not like there was some, you know, uh, plot here. They, they, they weren't expecting uh, Jesus to rise from the dead. So that that is an important one. And when you realize there was no technology to communicate with these people, and it was, you know, in various areas of uh, geography that uh, that is such an important element. Yeah, exactly you know? right. I mean, it's not like he just appeared to the apostles and converted them. I mean, he all these people saw him, and that was part of the plan. That was yeah, part of the well, plan to give, I believe, to give faith to us, um, you know, in today's times even. Well, you know, you come, it, it, I said this before, but... If you go to the any important famous person that ever lived on this mm -hmm. planet, where he is buried, where his body is, is a very important place. Right. Because people will make a monument there. They'll make a pilgrimage there. They'll go visit it. Um, so, like, I, if you wanted to go to the, where is the body of Muhammad? Well, you go to Medina, Saudi Arabia. Uh, where is the body of John F. Kennedy? Well, you go to Arlington Cemetery in Washington, D.C. Right. Where is the body of Isaac Newton? Well, he's in Westminster Abbey, buried in a side chapel. So my point being that there is the body. It's there. Yeah. Where is the body of Jesus? Now, people have tried to offer explanations, but where where is that? The whole thing of Christianity starts out with an empty tomb. Yep. Now, what makes more sense when you start piling this evidence, eyewitnesses, fulfilled yeah. prophecy, uh, radical, radical change and transformation of individuals. Right. And then Big the time. other thing is, consider this. The early church starts where the where Jesus was crucified. Mm -hmm. So if they wanted to disprove that he didn't rise from the dead and his corpse is somewhere, all the Romans had to do, or the Jewish leadership, is drag his body out. They didn't, weren't against that stuff. Yeah. They would have disproved it like that. They were trying to find the they body. Couldn't. <laughs> they couldn't the, find the, it. the other thing is, yeah. is that 
here, it's hard for us to go back 2,000 years, uh -huh. but these Jewish people of the early church, uh, Peter, James, John, Mary, Miriam, all of these, they were monotheistic. They were, the one thing they believed, hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one God, the Lord. Here they're worshiping a man. Here they're not keeping kosher. Mm -hmm. Here their Gentiles are coming in. Here their meeting is going to be, it's going to Sunday now. I mean, it's it, this is a this is a tsunami. This yeah. is a, what what made them change like that? Yeah, you know, a risen I, I, savior. I think I am going to read one Corinthians fifteen for those that aren't familiar yeah. with it, the resurrection of Christ, because it is really important. Um, just to you know uh -huh. verify what the apostles were saying. Uh, so I'm just going to start with verse one, sure. read it through yeah. verse eight. Uh, now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. Wow. Yeah. For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared in Cephas, and then to the 12. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of, of the brothers and sisters at that time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, his brother, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. Right. Yeah. I mean so, you know, and he's saying 500, yeah. and he's saying, look, if Plus this the, isn't yeah. true, he says, if this is, verse 14, he says, uh, 13, if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. If Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty. Yep. Your faith is empty. Uh, you're a false witness. You should be pitied. It's like a big joke. Yeah, you but believed in vain. Yeah, it's like you believe We're in wasting a our very time. tooth mother yeah. or some crazy the, thing like this. This is the big thing that differentiates us from all the other religions, John. That's what you always taught me as the core of our belief system. He rolls. That, yes. That's why Paul will say this yeah. is the gospel. Right. That Jesus Christ was, was crucified mm -hmm. according to the scriptures, was buried for three days. He rose on the third day according to the scriptures. There's no other religion that has that. You know, the, the other thing that strikes me, John MacArthur said this, you know, and I really liked it. I was I, I saw some of his work uh, when I was prepping for the show. He said, the person of Jesus Christ and the presentation of him is beyond human invention. No man could ever speak like this or has spoken like this. His words are beyond all human philosophy. It's hard to make him up. Good point. Yeah. It's a good point. I mean, it's really who, hard who to make him up. The way he spoke, his convictions—I don't know how you can make a character like that up, what especially said, at that time. What he yeah. didn't say. Yeah. And then here's an interesting thing that I think people should consider: for a, for a thousand years, they have the temple in Jerusalem, right? And the sacrificial system, the yeah. priesthood—it's all going on. And there's there's supposed to be this new covenant coming. You know, it's right. spoken of in Jeremiah 31, 31, another place. There's a new covenant, new covenant. And the old is going to be done away with. Well, why, why would all of it be done away with in 70 AD unless the new covenant came in, which means a new sacrifice? Why would the temple, mm -hmm. the priesthood, the sacrificial system all gone away? Why would God allow that to happen if he wanted to continue? Mm -hmm. Unless 
the perfect one came and it would no longer be no longer had be necessary to kill a lamb or a goat or a bull or all of these things that they were doing because the perfect it makes sense yeah. you know it just in the time yeah. frame so again you're looking at spokes coming to the center of the wheel and you're starting to look at these things and you're saying wow this is interesting this is and it's and it really strength to me it strengthens your faith yes. it gives you what i call Absolutely. a no so faith that um, here if, if you're a detective and you're just looking back at the first century and you're saying to yourself, um, what happened here? I mean, here you got, you know, you got, okay, you got the Romans are oppressors. They're occupying this little land of Israel. And you got this uh, religious priesthood and Sadducees. They're in charge of things. Mm-hmm. And things are moving along, right? And then all of a sudden, this thing happens where it's changing and Gentiles are coming to believe and it's going to the far corners of the earth. Here, let me read. These are not even gospel writers. These are historians that lived in that time period that make a reference to Jesus. In a court of law, these would be called uh, hostile or non-friendly witnesses. In other words, they're not part of the, like the apostles. You might say, well, they're biased or they're prejudiced. Here's, this one is called Tacitus, Cornelius Tacitus. He was a Roman historian from about 55 to 120 AD. So he's right in that place where the church is starting to grow. And he, and he writes the history of Rome in, the, in these famous, uh, what's called the Annals and the Histories of Rome. He writes this about the Christian church. Here's what Tacitus says. But not all the relief come from men, uh, but the, uh, all, he says, now, uh, Nero, from the infamy of being believed to have ordered the conflagration, the fire of Rome. In other words, they say Nero started the fire of Rome. At least that was the rumors. And this is what this historian that lived back then is saying. Hence, to suppress the rumor, he falsely charged with guilt and punished with most exquisite tortures the persons commonly called Christians, who were hated for their enormities. Christus, the founder of the name, of the name was put to death by Pontius Pilate, procurator, creator of Judea in the reign of Tiberius. But the pernicious superstition repressed for a time broke out again, not only through Judea, where the mischief originated, but through the city of Rome also. So here you have this non-Christian writer, historian, he has no bias or prejudice, but he's trying to record what happened when there was this great fire in Rome. Nero was the head god, the emperor then, and he blames it on the Christians that this is rapidly growing community of Christians in Rome and he and he it's brutal what he does to them. He I mean he, he kills them, he lets wild animals attack these Christians. He puts tar on them and he lights them up yeah. at night as and and he's and he's saying he's saying here um he calls Jesus the Christus. He says Christus was the founder. He was put to death by Pontius Pilate. See he locates it in history. Right. Procurator of Judea in the reign of Tiberius. He see how they you got time and place, and who's the emperor? And he's got no, he's not spreading the gospel. He's just saying, this is what happened. Here's another one. Um, uh, there are several that, that come out about this. The one I find uh, very interesting is uh, Pliny the Younger. Now, Pliny the Younger is very interesting. He's a historian that lives right around the turn of the first century. Uh-huh. Like one, and he was the one that actually observed um, when uh, Pompeii, when the volcano blew down, Mount Vesuvius blew down. But he makes. He, he writes from a distant place in what is present-day Turkey, but he's way on the eastern side. And this Christianity is like really grown, right? And he, does, and he writes back and he says this. He says, um, 
uh, he writes back to the emperor, what, what do you want me to do with these? Here, here's what he says. Pliny was writing to Emperor Trajan to seek counsel as to how to treat the Christians. Notice it's expanded way out to the outer limits of the Roman Empire. Right. This, this is less than 50 years. He explained that he had been killing both men and women, boys and girls. There were so many being put to death that he wondered if he should continue killing anyone who discovered to be Christian or if he should kill only certain ones. He explained that he had made Christians bow down to statues of Trajan. Here's what he writes in his document to the emperor. He made them curse Christ with a genuine Christian cannot be induced to do. In the same letter, he says, of the people he tried, they affirmed, however, uh, that the whole of their guilt, of their error, was that they were in a habit of meeting on a certain fixed day before it was light. Then they sang in alternate verse a hymn to Christ as to God. They bound themselves to a solemn oath, not to do any wicked deeds, but never to commit a fraud, theft, adultery, never to falsify their word, not to deny a trust when they should be called upon to deliver it up. So this you have this unbelieving pagan Roman historian writing back to the emperor, what do you want me to do with these Christians? It's grown like crazy. And he says, here's, how they, here's, here's what they do. And he describes early worship in high detail. This shows us a couple of things what their early worship was, the fact that it's grown, the fact that some are dying for their faith because he's killing them. So again, this is not a gospel writer making this thing, but yeah. we can draw from what they're saying and we can make a composite picture of, of a, I, like I always say, something happened in that first century that you can't deny. That That is, again, one of the biggest things uh, we should hang our shingle on when we think about the top 10 things to verify that, that this is the Word of God and Jesus was the Son of God. And in the Acts of the Apostles, when you talk about the, uh, the apostles, you know, it, when you look at it, who, when, he, when Jesus was dead, they were running to hide all, all over. Yeah. And then all of a sudden to become world-changing evangelists, uh, you know, it, it's, there's no other explanation but the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which really was the birth of the church um, because of the... These evangelists, there was nothing that was going to stop these guys. Now, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. I heard, you know, it says that they were speaking other languages, and they were just converting people left and right from hiding to doing this. Yeah, right. And what, 90 95% of them were killed brutally? The leaders, For yeah. their faith? Right. So it, you got to start looking at the whole thing, and, and it just, common sense would direct you. Yeah, I mean, because... I mean, Okay, let's take it from the opposite point of view. Okay, even atheists, even critics of Christianity say there's an empty tomb. Now, how do we deal with that empty tomb? Because they know that um, they can't locate the body. Now, right. Here's what they, some of them say. Number one, somebody stole the body. Yeah. Well, what, what would be the motive? I mean, if it's the Roman authorities, again, display the corpse. Mm -hmm. You squelch this, this emerging religion this what they call a sect or a cult that's growing up the christian faith yeah if it's if it's the jewish leadership they can do the same and then all of a sudden they squelch this thing by saying there there's your risen savior he's it's just a corpse or they say that jesus didn't die on the cross but he swooned and he and when he was in three days in a cool grave he revived and then he comes out. Well, come on. Right. I mean, with all the battery and the wounds and the loss of yep. blood and shit, you're not going to come out as a victorious risen savior right. limping around. Yeah. Uh, then the others say it was substitutionary. Uh, this is, in, if you look in the Quran, it says uh, he does not he does not die on the cross. He was not crucified. It only appeared 
that he was crucified. And they believe there's a substitute, maybe Judas or Simon of Cyrene. So you, you start running thin on explanations, and it, it makes you go back to the original. Now, you could, you could anything's possible. You know, I mean, you could say, well, aliens came down from Mars and they grabbed the body out of the, out of the tomb. You could say the, the corpse of Jesus uh, vaporized. It just vanished in the tomb. Right. But you, here's what you're doing, David, when you yeah. look at historical uh, events. You got the possible and you got the probable. You're, all things are possible, but what is most probable? That's, yeah. that's where you tip the scale. Yes. And so when you look at this evidence that we're just sharing very briefly on this particular radio show, you see how it, it, it more than balances out yeah. against that, uh, these other explanations. Yeah. It just doesn't fit. And, and then, you know, we're not even touching on the real science of the Bible. And, you know, I, I guess the thing I, I like most is when they're talking about the earth, you know, how long did it take us to figure out that the earth was round? You know, it was listed in Isaiah 40, 22. It, it states right there that the earth is spherical. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing uh, is, when did we know that the Earth was rotating on an axis? That wasn't until 1851 or the mid-1900s, but it's listed, you know, the Earth is hanging on nothing, Job 26.7. And then it talks about, uh, the, just one more fact here, it talks about in Job 38.14 that, you know, it, it turns on an axis like clay to the seal, which means it rotates on its own axis. Mm-hmm. So think about that. I mean, the science of the of the right. Bible, giving the facts of the Earth, how the how the Earth runs, the way the oceans move, it was all there, John. Yeah, right. Before I mean, before it was really discovered by science. Yeah, and not only yeah, even way back in Genesis. I mean, yeah. you see that everything was created in a very orderly right. fashion, and then man is uniquely. Right. uniquely made, you know, where God comes down and fashions it. And they're, yeah. just by looking around, you can tell that human beings are different, yeah. you know, than any other uh, animal or plant or a star system. We have capacity, not just consciousness, but we have the, the power to reflect and, and, and to create ideas and to take abstract ideas and bring them to fruition in a building or an invention. Uh, we write books. We, we, we convey ideas. And then we have a conscience, we have a general sense of right and wrong. Now, it, the Bible also says we're fallen morally. You know, we're separated from God. Once you look around the world, and that's what you see in the, in the news every day, man, fallen man, doing fallen things, sin and thieving and hurting and murdering and all this, what the Bible says. But then when you move it to God's plan and come to the person of Jesus Christ, he is bringing in a remedy for that. You know, at the cross, you see the worst of man. You take a totally innocent man did nothing never taught like anybody ever taught like him he healed the sick he gave food to the hungry and and to strip him and to spit on him and to scourge him and to nail him on a cross from what that showed you how bad man is but it also showed you how much god loves us mm-hmm. you know and so you yes. see both of those things are interacting yeah and when you come to the cross Again, that's why I say to people, all other religions are a moral code. Do this, 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 don't do that. The whole crux of Christianity, the word crux is where we get the word cross, is an exchange. It's not, you know, do this, don't do that. There are teachings, moral teachings later on in the epistles. But the essential thing is 
he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. And it's not that we know this information, but rather that we know this person. We turn our back on our old way, our sins, and we embrace him in this new way. And he says that to as many as received him, he'll come and live within us to empower us. One of the most important verses in the Bible is John 3, 16, which says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Right. And and that's that's something people really need to understand to, to get this. Yeah, it all comes down to, I mean, again... <laughs> We date our calendar from his birth date. I mean, people can say, well, that just happened to be in the Roman world. But nevertheless, why this man? He doesn't doesn't do the thing. He doesn't live that long to begin with. You know, he lives about 33 years. And we only have a three-year window on his ministry, really, from age 30 to 33. Why is his impact uh, felt through the ages to this very day? Why do, you know, if you study art, literature, music, uh, prison reform, literacy, uh, uh, leprosy outreaches, um, orphanages. Why is it always go back to this man and this man, we cannot go to his grave site. You see what I'm saying? It, it's, it's, it, it should jar people that, I, quite honestly, I wish somebody would have talked to me like this uh, earlier. Before. I became a Christian at age 27. I wish somebody would have sat down when I was 18 or 19 oh, and just walked me through this stuff. Boy. Because we don't exalt or lift up any denomination. You know, you got Baptist, Catholic, Orthodox, mm-hmm. this. That's not my interest. My interest is the person of Jesus Christ and proving and showing who he is. And by, by knowing him and by believing in him, you, he'll change the whole course of your life. It's sure Not is. just your life, but people your life will touch. Yeah. And you know, I think one of the biggest things, and I'm even talking about myself sitting here, uh, and I know your story too. You know, the Word of God does what it says it will do. It transforms lives. It transformed my life 10, 10 years ago. I know it transformed your life when you were in your 20s. Mm-hmm. That's the power of it. That's what it did to the apostles when they witnessed it. And I think that's another proof system to look at watching all these different people get transformed from who they were yeah i mean that's the biggest support don't you i mean i don't know that's a big indicator i mean you have what was called here's what you have you have internal evidence that's what you read in terms of the manuscripts Mm -hmm. um the prophetic is in that internal you know which contained in the bible then you have external which i just read some of these historians from the first century i'll read a couple more before we finish and then you, those are objective. You can look at those. But then you have what you just described, the subjective. Like, this is what happened to me. Well, what happened to me or happened to you is what happened to Paul. Or is what happened to Peter. Peter yes. was a coward. He denied Jesus. Amen to that, yeah. But once he saw the risen Savior, mm-hmm. into a, he's out there preaching to thousands. He don't yeah. even care yeah. if they kill him at that point. He's no longer that kind of a Peter. I, I was just laughing because, you know, if, 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 if I, you were to talk to me 12 years ago, I would just have been moving, getting to the next thing, and not even considering spending time at a radio show with you focused on the Word of God and trying to help spread the good news. Yeah, right. And now it's the center of my life for the way I do everything. Before it was, you know, let's get ahead in life, family, 
and then you know the Bible. Yeah. Now it's totally been flipped upside down, and now the pyramid is centered on Christ, family, and how do you take care of the family? Yeah, right. And yourself. Right. So um, that energy alone is proof enough for me, because the only way that can happen is through the Holy Spirit becoming a follower of Christ, just like the apostles and all the other people that helped bring Christianity into its own. Uh, it, it's the, it's just a huge transformation. You're basically looking at your body laying there and you're moving away from it. Exactly. The old man and you're coming into the new man and the new race. We've used that those you know that those acronyms before. It is so true. Oh yeah. It's so true. Well, that's man. what the Bible says. You you yeah. you've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, you live, but not you, but Christ who yeah. liveth in you. So. That, that And I think a lot of people don't understand that, David. Even maybe people that go to church or whatever. You can go to church, but you, you, that doesn't mean you have that relationship with God. No. I mean, yeah. many people do go to church. We should go to right. church. But my point being that, have you been transformed? You know, back to Thomas in John chapter 20, he goes into that room with the other apostles, and he's in unbelief. He knows Jesus lived, and he knows he died. He says, I did but he says, I can't, I can't believe he rose from the dead after I saw that brutality, that death that he went through. He says, but if I get this information, if I can touch him. And, and so, of course, our Lord appears to him and, and allows him. And that's when Thomas will say, my Lord and my God. You see, he, he, he went into that room one way. He left that room a whole different man. You know, he, he, everything was changed. His life, and he would end up going to India. They think he went to India, and uh, earliest churches in India are named after Thomas. His grave is there. And you know how he died? He was speared. Mm. It was arrows or spears, just the very thing he wanted to touch mm. Jesus by. So my point being that this, 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 you have to explain like Paul. He was the enemy when he was saw, He was persecuting the church. He was a trained rabbi. He didn't want to have anything to do with Gentiles because they didn't keep kosher. Right. They didn't keep the Sabbath. And who does... He comes to Christ, and what does Jesus say? You're the apostle to the Gentiles. And he loves them. Goes to Corinth, goes to Athens, of all people. Well, what what could make him change from that to that? You know, Now, people can write it off and say it was delusional or this happened. But to me, there's just too much here that should be inspected and should be looked at if you're not a believer. And if you are a believer, drill down on some of these things. Yeah. It will strengthen your faith. Yeah, I it mean, makes it easier to share your faith. Yeah, you know. the, the, there have been so many skeptics, but there's more evidence of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ than any other figure in history. Yeah, I think that's true, isn't it, Chad? Yeah, you, you probably bring I, up a good point. I, yeah. So people skilled in the research have become Christian in their attempts to prove it wrong. Like you look at Lee Sobel, and Strobel. you look at so right, and you also look at J. Warren Wallace, the cold case detective who was a complete atheist, and he really put it through the gamut. It, it, I really like what he did because he was so technical. Yeah. Like he was looking at a cold case. Right. And he can he was converted. Yeah, He's Amazing. not looking back. He's like, there's no way I could justify all of the all of the information and historical facts I, I ran into. Yeah. He wanted to prove it wrong. J. Warner Wallace, who you just referenced, yeah. he, this is his newer book, Person oh, of Interest. Well, I haven't read that one. And he approaches it like a detective would approach huh. a homicide. And he says, here's how we, here's what the evidence we look at. Here's the eyewitnesses. Are they credible? Are they not credible? 
uh, do we have any object lessons like archaeology mm-hmm. and the history? He goes through it, and he lays out nine ways to Sunday. He mm-hmm. goes, there's so much proof. And he says, if, if, if you throw a rock in a pond, a yeah. still pond, yeah. and you get the ripple effect, right? Well, what happened with Jesus, it, it was like a boulder went in because it affected, like I said earlier, art, literature, pagans turn from idolatry and sexual immorality and, and they're living a pure life. Drunkards become sober. Orphanages start. Leprosarium start. Mm-hmm. Rescue people. Uh, deep wells to help people. Effort. All from this life of this one man. Yeah. You see the ripple effect? It's it's not decreasing where we're at no, today. I, I like that visual too. The ripple effect is so important because even though there's, what, two and a half billion Christians, there's a lot more there converting right now. You look oh, at yeah. Africa, what is there, 650 million? China, South China, Korea. China, South Korea, it just is continuing. It's not over. It does take time, though. You know the, the beauty, too, through, yeah. You know? It's, it it's, 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 it's a win-win. Yeah, I mean, right. we this morning they had the Cleveland Prayer Breakfast, right? thousand people down at the Renaissance Hotel. And the man that gave his testimony was a famous mobster from the New York family. Mm-hmm. Did 10, 12 years in prison, yeah. he admitted. Yeah. And he said he was raised in church, he did this and that. He says, I did not know what the Bible said. I did not know what it meant to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. He totally transformed my life. He spent eight years in a prison cell just with his Bible and his little cell. And he says, it totally transformed my life. And he goes around the world now <clears throat> telling people, it's no frills. But he says, without a doubt, you can prove it. He says, it's, he says, I was always based on evidence. I needed proof. I needed whatever he did, bad deals and gangster deals. I always needed. And he says, once I looked at this, it's provable. And that's what I say. I mean, if, if you really take a hard, and then I, to the skeptic, I would say, okay, you offer me an explanation. You give me an explanation, a good explanation, how this universe started. Um, is we, do we have meaning, or is it eat, drink, and be merry? Tomorrow you die. Is there a moral code we should live by? And you tell me what happens after we die. Right. If you're going to believe somebody, believe somebody about death who rose from the dead. Yeah. <laughs> okay? Because yeah. off- we're all going to die. Mm-hmm. But he offers the best explanation for what happens after you die. All the others, the Buddha, Confucius, yeah. Muhammad, Joseph Smith, they're all dead and their bodies are in a tomb. We have an empty yeah. tomb. Good we point. serve a risen Savior. Absolutely. And Amen. because yeah. he rose, we have, you feel this... Right. Uh, Holy Spirit power, you know, to 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 make you to live a different life. You change your speech and uh, pure thoughts and tr- transform your mind and having a heart to share this with other people for no no gain, no profit. Just say, hey, you should consider this. Look at this. You know, right. go into prisons, go right. into foreign lands, go right. into your next door neighbor. Just share that. You know, right. It's, it's amazing stuff. It is amazing. Here's what another historian, I'm just sprinkling these in yeah. here. Again, these are not apostles. These are not Christians who happen to live in that time period. Here's what this famous historian that lived in that first century, Flavius Josephus, he wrote a big volume, a lot about Israel and the Jews. And he says, in his one account, he says, Now there was about this time Jesus, a wise man, if it be lawful to call him a man, for he was a doer of wonderful works, a teacher of such men as received the truth with pleasure. He drew over to him both many Jews and Gentiles. He was the Christ. And when Pilate, at the suggestion of the principal men among us, had condemned him to the cross, those that loved him at first did not forsake him. For he appeared to them alive on a third day, as the divine prophets had foretold, 
and a 10,000 other wonderful things concerning him. And the tribe of Christians so named for him are not extinct to this day. That's first century. Yeah. And this guy, he's not a Christian, but he's writing about what he saw. You see what I'm saying? So you're layering what you call a friendly witness, or like the apostles or the writer. Then you have non-biased, or they have no reason. I mean, what's the, what's the advantage to them? They're not believers, but they're just recording yeah. what they're seeing about this movement. Right. So, again, if you have a scale, yeah. what we're doing is putting weights, uh, proofs, if you will, on this side of the scale. Yeah. On this side of the scale. And it's starting to go like this, you know, and you're... <laughs> and so... That's what happened with Thomas. He's, he needed that proof. He was provided that proof. But Jesus says something very interesting in John chapter 20. He says, okay, Thomas, you see and you believe, but blessed is those that do not see right. and believe. Right. So somebody might say, well, gee, Thomas saw Jesus. He touched him. He spoke with him. Mm-hmm. How can we be more blessed than Thomas? And John shows us two verses later in the last verse in John chapter 20. But these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. So as much as Thomas had that eyewitness confrontation with Jesus, John is saying, yeah, but we have the word of God. And it, it's not going to change. It's not. It, and if you read the word of God and see how it's all put together by believing what it says here, you have eternal life with Jesus Christ. And yeah. you can say like Thomas, right. my Lord and my God. Yeah, you know, um, having this walk with you, John, I, I mean, I've been very blessed uh, to have connected with you. Um, I know a lot of people don't have that opportunity to connect to somebody like you when they're learning about their faith. Um, and so, but I will tell you, I think the biggest thing that has hit me, and you always made it clear that life is a vapor, and, you know, even look how quickly the weeks go by. I'm watching our kids, you know, right now, and they're almost out of college, you know, and I can't believe how quickly I still feel like I'm the same guy exactly when they were right. little. And so what this does for you, it's kind of like watching the Autobahn go by. Before I came into the Word and, you know, really started diving into it with you, I just thought, yeah, life is really fast. We better jump on and just work as fast feverishly as fast as we can and do as as best as we can for our family and uh, now everything slows down because you can let all that continue to go but you know where you're going and your focus is different your mannerisms are different your visibility and what you see and how you see it is totally different Mm -hmm. which makes your time here on earth much more satisfying even though this is not our heaven, but it just allows you to see things much differently. Oh, yeah. And you can actually, believe it or not, from my perspective, you can enjoy being, uh, you know, in our temporary home here much more by getting into this and seeing really where we're supposed to be. Exactly. Our true home yeah. is in heaven. Here's so, the, yeah. yeah. So, and it helps you through a lot of the challenges. Man's biggest problem on this planet, David, is he yeah. doesn't know what he's doing on this planet. That's right. Until yeah. you until you have a relationship with mm-hmm. God through Jesus Christ, the pieces start fitting together. Mm-hmm. Am I right? It's starting to make sense. Like, okay, there yeah. is a God. And it, it, in creation, I mean, I look at nature, like yeah. all these leaves are turning on yeah. the trees and flowers are popping oh, yeah. up out of the ground. 
What do they all have little tiny microchips in them or something? You know, it's just miraculous. And you think, okay, I see there is a creator. And then you see that relationships, I don't care where or how, what's the husband and wife or siblings or friends or teammates, where there's love, genuine love, life flourishes. And where there's not, when we're out of alignment, going away from God's way, there's destruction, there's pain, there's suffering, there's addiction, there's bondage. There's, and it, it just makes sense, you know. And then to have this and to know you can share with other people, and for no motive other than to share with other people, you can change your life forever. Yeah, and especially now with the way the world is, um, and everybody is running for the uh, easy answer with these addictions because they just don't have they this. Don't have possibly, maybe they maybe they're just starting in their walk. But what this does is it doesn't um, subside after two three hours of use. Right. Like drinking, like smoking dope. Uh, whatever else. Entertainment. Right. Yeah. It doesn't subside. It, it stays actually with increases. You. Right. It increases. And so when you get that strength, the next day you don't have a hangover. You feel better. Um, and it allows you to really pursue the next day um, with conviction. Yeah, it's that it, simple. Just look at a that's, simple that's level simple. of yeah. the money and time you save. Right. Somebody that smokes and has to have a pack and go out and get a pack of cigarettes. Yeah. Somebody that gambles or pornography or alcohol. It has them. It, it holds them and it destroys yeah. them eventually. It destroys their health, their yeah. lungs, their brain, whatever. Right. That's that's not the way of God. He wants us to live a life. You know the Bible says in John chapter ten verse ten. The enemy comes to rob, kill, and destroy, but I come that you might have life and life more abundantly. That's right. life, salvation, right. and life more abundantly. It doesn't mean you're going to be wealthy and celebrity. Oh. Maybe you could, but means that you're going to have peace and, and a certain purpose and power and direction and joy, all these things that he we were looking for before. We were going to the wrong places for it, were we not? And some people never yes. learn this lesson. Yeah. And they, they get all these toys and they get all this stuff and their name is up on this and they die. Right. And for what? You know, yeah. all these, especially in our culture, all these famous people like Elvis Presley and Jim Morrison and Whitney Houston, all and on and on, they die at age like 40 or 45. Yeah. yeah. And some of them are really raised in a church yeah. where they often their singing skills was a gift that was given by God to be developed to glorify him and bring people to Christ. But again, once you get this, and I encourage the listeners that are listening today, I mean, we just scratched the surface on some of this stuff. I mean, I don't doubt we can have other show and really drill down on um, manuscript evidence. We haven't really touched on archaeological or historic, you know, yeah. was Pontius Pilate, uh, the procreate, was he in charge of that region of Jerusalem at that time? Yeah, there's plaques they found yes. and, you know, with his name on. Was Herod Agrippa up north in the Galilee? Mm -hmm. He happens to be in, at the time of the Passover at Jesus' trial. Yeah, there's proof he was up. <laughs> you know, was there was there a Mount of Olives? Yeah, so you're starting to place these things. It doesn't have the language of mythology or legend. Far, far away in a distant place and this... It's like a newspaper. You know, you're just reading it, and you got to say to yourself, why would anybody, a man or a group of men or whoever made this, like a Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings story, for what purpose? And where did they get all this wisdom to write something like the Prodigal Son or the Our Father Prayer or uh, the Sermon on the Mount? Where did where do they get it? Where, where's these men with this wisdom? 
And what the Bible says, it's this one man is saying and doing these things. That's right. He's cha- he changed yeah. the world. He sure did. Flat out. He absolutely did. You know. And yeah. so, again. As and we, you're never too late. Never too late. To join, to, to join the group. You are never too late. Never too late, right. and, and, and the Bible says clearly, today is the day of salvation. Right. If you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. And maybe somebody out there is listening. Yeah. Uh, it's like a perfect time for several reasons. Number one, we don't know about tomorrow. No, I mean, <laughs> no we have no guarantees. There's no guarantees no way. about tomorrow. Um, again, you know, I mean, we might live to be 100 years old. We might yeah. live t- till Sunday. I don't know. Right. But my point yeah. being that... Today is the day, and, and you don't want to neglect this and really look at the evidence that's out there. And what I suggest to people, I actually did a sermon on this last week, was if you have doubts like Thomas did, do this. Take the Gospel of John. Ask God to reveal himself as you study the Gospel of John. Read just one chapter a day. One That's easy to do. It takes you 10 minutes. There's only 21 chapters, so it's less than a month. Just and see if it doesn't bring you to a point of a more understanding or maybe to the point where you'll say like Thomas, my Lord and my God, you'll accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Your life will never be the same. Right. You know, it's real, real stuff. Right. And, um, right. So uh, to, to kind of go full summary on this, again, I use the metaphor of, of, of the wheel and all these different spokes represent different lines that converge to the center of the wheel, which is the person of Jesus Christ. But it could be the prophetic, could be historic, could be archaeological. It could be types, like um, the serpent on the pole or the temple and all of these Passover lamb. Uh, Or it could be eyewitness accounts. You know, it could be manuscript. So you have all these spokes converging on the center. And the center, they don't only converge on the center, but the center holds them together. Without Jesus, this is hard to figure out. Because where's that where's that promised Messiah that was going to be a light to the Gentiles? Right. Yeah. Are we still looking for him? Right. Where uh, where's the sacrificial system? If there's no perfect sacrifice, shouldn't we still be sacrificing animals? Yeah. You know, shouldn't so it's like it really leaves you hanging for explanations. That's why I always challenge people that don't believe it. I ask them, well, tell me your explanation. Should I be concerned? about my afterlife. And if they say, no, no, don't worry about it. Don't be, I go, okay, but what do you base that? No, wor- don't worry about it. <laughs> I mean, this is kind of important yeah, stuff. That's very important. You know? <laughs> so, you know, I read a book once I found at the bookstore. Well, yeah, yeah. Right. You know, or, or, you know, is there a moral code that I should live by? Oh, right. no, just be true to yourself and be true to your heart and don't try to hurt people. Well, yeah, but there might be more to it than that, you know? Yeah. And how did this all start? Was there just a big explosion and out of that came particles and particles? I mean, okay, you believe that. I mean, my logical mind, it's not highly scientific. It, 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 it revolts at that thought. It just doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't. Yeah. You know? And so all of these questions are really good questions to ask. So um, I don't know, David, you want to say anything in closing? We'll just start wrapping it up. No, again, I, I like your approach, John, with starting with John and just taking your time. And just asking that God open open your eyes, but before you get into each chapter, so that you can really see what's going on there and connect with it. Because even when I first started, um, it, it didn't it didn't click. Yeah, uh, I had to ask for the Holy Spirit to come in and to open my eyes to the reality of the Word, and uh, 
Now it's just much different. Yeah. Well, when I look at any verses, I can see it much, you know, much differently. Yeah. And a lot clearer. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like going to the the eye doctor and he yeah. puts those that, that those lines. Can you see clearly? Can right. you read the second yeah. line? Can you right. read the third line? And it gets clearer and clearer. And I think that just keeps going on all our life. I think it does. And for when you finally get your prescription right, it's like the bottom row that was real fine print all of a sudden pops. Mm -hmm. Like both you and I. We didn't understand this thing for nothing. Am yeah. I right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. But once somebody explained it, when you have the Holy Spirit, that's really mm -hmm. the key when you become a believer. But then it starts opening up. It's like, man, that makes sense. Boy, you know, it, sense. it's kind of like the, the, remember the old, um, I guess the old, uh, you know, um, those old kits where you could pretend you were a spy yeah. and it was invisible ink. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, and, and then the decoder, you know. Opens it up. You, you, exactly. Yeah. The Holy Spirit opens it up in yeah. commitment. Yeah. So thanks for listening. I think uh, next week we're going to uh, we're gonna have some more guests, special guests coming on. I know that we have some things lined up in the near future. But we do appreciate you tuning in. Thank you. Once again, this is WNZN Radio from Lorain, Ohio, 89.1 FM on your, on your uh, dial. Uh, thank you very much, and God bless you. Have a great week, especially as we open up into this spring, this spring season, this spring weather. God bless God you. God bless. Have a great weekend, everybody.